Hello, everybody. Welcome along to the Event Industry News Podcast with me, James Dixon, wishing you all a very good morning, afternoon or evening, whenever or wherever you join today's podcast from. And it is afternoon for me here over in the UK, but uh, still relatively early in the morning for our guest today, who joins us from the USA, the great country that is the USA. I welcome, and we're going to get straight into this with, with very little faff at the beginning, Mr. Drew Holmgreen, who is the Chief Brand Officer for the Meetings Professional International, MPI, as the industry knows them. Drew, thanks for joining the podcast today. Lots to talk about. Yes, sir. Thank you, James. Appreciate you having me today, this morning. No problem at all. For you. <laughs> <laughs> Texas for you, I believe. You're joining yes, us sir. from I'm in, Dallas. I'm in Dallas, Texas. Yes, sir. Fantastic. Um, and the reason I said we're going to dive straight into this and we've got a lot to talk about is that um, the MPI's uh, European Meetings and Events Conference takes place in Brighton at the end of this month, 26th to the 28th of March in Brighton over here in the UK. Drew, this was an event that should have taken place in 2021. The last edition you did was right before the pandemic struck us in uh, in February 2020, if I'm right in saying. So this is now three years, coming up three years since the show took place. Exciting times for you guys. Exciting times. Um, yeah, certainly for us, for our industry, for our community. Um, we uh, are the, the last time that we had EMEC was in Seville, Spain in February 2020. And that actually marked, I believe, our 35th year that we put that event on. There was a ton of momentum coming into Brighton. Um, Brighton is, is the home of our strategic partners at IMEX Group. Um, mm -hmm. and we work very, very tightly with them. We'd, we'd done a number of site visits already coming out of Sevilla, Spain. Uh, we actually had another site visit in Brighton before coming back to the States in, in February of 2020. So there was a ton of excitement already generated by our community. And when I say our community, I don't just mean the membership of MPI, but the European meeting professional community in general. Um, so when we, when the, when the COVID lockdown struck us almost a year to the day, actually, I think that the global pandemic was, uh, was, was, uh, was called, I think Friday will be the three year, uh, three year mark. That's uh, when right, that yeah. took place, yeah, when that took place, we, we kind of had to take a step back and all of us were wondering, well, are we still going to be able to have this event in 2021 in Brighton? And unfortunately we could not. So we went the virtual route in 21. And then we thought maybe it could happen again in 22, but we had to go the virtual route again in 22. And now here we are in 2023, you know, third year is the charm, I suppose. But, <laughs> yeah. but um, there is just, there's a ton of excitement. Um, you know, registration is, is really climbing quickly, but I think it's, it's the amplification of the community's voices that we're, we're most excited about because it's, everybody's just ready to get back together. Absolutely. And the, the first thing I see when I go onto the onto the website um, is the headline that the, the potential for meetings and events has never been brighter. Mm -hmm. And I guess you can also add to that that the demand has never been greater as well as the potential being brighter. Mm -hmm. It's interesting, isn't it? Because the past, um, you know, two and a half, three years, we've much of our community has found itself sheltered and, and not having much to do. And we, we look at a lot of our statistics. We put out a quarterly report called Meetings Outlook and back to back to back to back, four times in a row, four quarters in a row, we've seen our community come forward with historic levels of positive outlook for the industry. Um, looking ahead that they, they expect business to improve. 85% um, of our community this past time around said that they expect business to continue to improve. That's on top of 
92% the quarter before that, 90% the quarter before that, 85% the quarter before yeah. that. So you just keep kind of piling those up and you see this is this is a this is an industry that at one point was the 13th largest in the world pre-pandemic and um, the majority of our community now says that they expect that to happen by the end of 2023. The rest all project that it will take place in 2024. So globally, this industry, you know, we, we we no longer are really talking about recovery. We're truly talking about growth at this point. Recovery Absolutely. is just kind of behind us because now we're in such a substantial growth phase. And EMEC kind of happens right when that is really coming to its full blossom. Uh, absolutely. Uh, and I think you're right to point that out, you know, the, uh, and I suppose we can all be guilty of, of of not realizing how quickly the time has passed. You know, when I came back onto the podcast, you know, after the initial phase of the, of the pandemic in 2020, um, the the talk was all about recovery. The talk was all about how do we get back to live? Do we think we'll ever get back to live? Then the talk was right how we get back you know what is that roadmap back you know how are we going to slowly start dipping our toe into the water with live events again and 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 i think you know it, it is easy to, to to forget that quite a lot of time has now passed mm -hmm. we are significantly further down the line with a lot more experience and it is not about recovery anymore we are very much back into this you know the, the, the events some events have run sort of two or three editions of their event already right since we've recovered from the pandemic. Um, so I, I think it's, it's important to obviously understand the fact that you were delayed because of where your event sits in the year, in the, in the calendar, but that we are in a really, really strong period at the moment, aren't we? Yeah, we are. And, and one thing that MPI has been really um, um, ahead of the curve on doing is showcasing how these events can take place in situations like what we faced for the past three years, where our EMAC event had to take a pause and go virtual. Mm -hmm. Our North American event actually continued. Um, it originally, it's called World Education Congress. Um, it takes place normally every June. Well, clearly June of 2020, we did not have the capacity or facilities or knowledge on how to put an event like that forward. And it typically gets about 2,500 attendees. Mm. So we pushed it back and we kind of had a few iterations of pushback. On, on dates and we finally settled on November of 2020, we held a 600 person event in uh, North Texas, right? Not too far from where I live. Uh, we had about 1200 people um, who attended digitally. And what was really interesting about that, James, is we, we were the first industry event to take place during the pandemic. And we did so with such dramatic focus on safety for our attendees and safe not just of our attendees of, of people who were working the event as well mm -hmm. and it was remarkable of those 600 people that we had on site everybody was masked up everybody was six feet distanced we had zero covid cases come out as a result it actually became a hell of a good case story on how to put on an event during a pandemic and do so safely because we put a major focus on you know, no, no touch items like the, the food was all um, individually packaged. Everybody sure, yeah. was separated by, you know, we, we became very accustomed to this, separated by plastic um, shields if they were doing one-to-one -one appointments. Mm -hmm. We really did things the safe and smart way. And it's so thrilling now to see us, you know, two and a half years later, we're able to put on these events and we still bring forward a lot of those safety elements, whether that's hand sanitizer or trying to make sure that everybody is very knowledgeable about keeping their health measures known to those around them. If you're not feeling well, mm -hmm. stay away. You know, I yeah. think 
and our community has gotten really, really smart at that. You and I were joking a second ago, you know, it was almost a badge of honor that if you're coughing a little bit, you know, you're going to muster through it and, and go to work. And, yeah. and nowadays, if somebody coughs, you're like, hey, whoa, whoa, go. Take the time. Right, take, take the time, right? So I think all of us are very cognizant of that. And now we, as an event community, we're, we're smarter about how we can really bring health standards forward and keep people safe and secure when they come to our event. Well, well that brings us back onto message about EMEC and, uh, you know, in just a few weeks time and, and, and the fact that, that we are back, but we are back with a, I suppose, uh, not just a renewed vigor, but a, a renewed and, and a reviewed outlook on how we deliver our events. Um, I, I'm, I think one of the major benefits to come out of the pandemic, and I've said this on, on this podcast before, is that it, it's revised how we consider safe practice from a, you know, a cleanliness point of view and a hygiene point of view. And in, in an event space where you've got lots of people moving around a particular mm-hmm. area, you know, some of those practices that we had to implement when we were coming back from uh, the, the pandemic, have, have we've, we've retained them subtly, but we've retained them. I think everybody that goes to an event now pays a little bit closer attention to to, to their, their, their personal hygiene, whether that be hand sanitizing or washing their hands. And, you know, just how we do things is different. And I'm sure that's undoubtedly going to be sort of, you know, some of the topic of conversation um, at EMEC, you know, how events are are doing things differently and what, opportunities they have now as a result of that um i'm keen to maybe sort of pick out some of the the highlights if you've got them of uh, you know the 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 conference agenda is is a huge part of emec um and i've looked at the lineup of speakers it's varied it's broad it covers the whole spectrum of 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 the sort of the meetings and the events industry um any highlights for you that you can sort of pick out um in advance that that people should maybe keep their eye out for yeah, you know, one of the things that we, EMEC really has a, a few primary pillars to it. One is we focus very heavily on innovation. Um, we, we really call EMEC an incubator of events. So we take, we do things that are a little bit different. Typically as an organization, we do take a lot of event design risks. Um, we do that purposefully because we want to try out new measures of meetings, set the standard for the industry and do so in a way that our community, when they attend our events, they can see what we're doing and implement them on their own. Um, they can also learn from our mistakes. And I'll be, and we are very open about this. When we put on an event, we take design risks to try and push the envelope a little bit so that those within our community, they can learn from us and push the envelope and take our example to proceed forward. And we, like I said, in full transparency, we will put out in our communications, hey, we're trying this this year it could go horribly sideways. So you'll know how not to make it go horribly sideways in the future. Yeah. Um, one of those examples is we, we continue to really take the influence of the local destination and really help that help apply that to the design and the implementation of the event. In this case, it's what we call our learning journeys. And, and this is what I always take. I, I always take a lot from when we, uh, when we put on EMAC. So our learning journeys allow us to take different aspects of learning for our community that are actionable, hard skills and relevant to event professionals. We take them, but it's, it's kind of that hands-on learning that all of us really did better with as when we were children, you know, when you, when you learn how to do something by actually doing it, but in a way that's a little bit different, it settles with you better. It really kind of gets to your core and it, it allows you to make it more actionable when you get out into the world, more relevant and meaningful to you. So in this particular case, 
you know, Brighton has such a, a vibrant art scene. It's got yeah, it really clearly does. a vibrant pub scene. Yeah. Um, it's also got a vibrant sustainability scene. So we've taken all three of those components and allowed them to influence these learning journeys. We have one learning journey that takes place at Ridgeview Winery. Now, it, it, it just, you know, simple kind of stand back look. You're like, oh, I get to go to a, on a winery tour and there's going to be <laughs> Brighton Gin will be there and there's a cheesemaker there. And it just sounds like I'm going to go have a good time. And that's accurate. But <laughs> what we're actually doing is we're taking these learning pods and allowing you through the lens of Ridgeview, Brighton Gin and a, a cheesemaker to see how to do local, sustainable, sourceable locally sourced sustainable food options for your meetings and events. Sure. So you will meet with the winemakers, the cheesemakers, the gin makers, and get an understanding of how they sustainably source their uh, particular food and beverage and how you can then apply that to your events going forward. So I just, I love that aspect of it. And then separately, there will be another kind of creative event design learning journey that takes place through the lens of the graffiti scene in Brighton. So you'll do a, a, a graffiti tour, walking tour through Brighton. You'll mm -hmm. finish at the Dome in Brighton, which is a beautiful, beautiful venue. And you'll do a creativity design session there. And yeah. then finally, we've got another session that is focused on digital sales and um, uh, kind of personal brand techniques, which takes place at our venue, the Hilton Metropole which was just completely renovated. And that that actually worked in our favor. The renovations were going to take place while we were on site in 2021. So now they're done. Yeah, and yeah. It's great. So that kind of worked out for us. Absolutely, you, yeah. You do this uh, this uh, kind of sales learning journey. And then afterwards, actually do a little bit of a pub crawl through, uh, uh, through Brighton, which there's hundreds of pubs that you can go visit. And you'll do this pub crawl to kind of apply some of those networking ideals that you've learned throughout. So you can see how you kind of stitch everything together. You get these great actionable learnings, but you get to apply them in the destination. Yeah, the, the idea of the learning journey is fantastic. And um, like you said, it, it's obvious to me that just looking even just through the website and reading the descriptions of the learning journeys is that you're taking advantage of, of a city that is extremely socially aware and arguably is at the forefront of social awareness you know if there's a development and a progression to social awareness you know brighton would be one of the first places that you would choose you know as a place to go and see how that's actually manifesting itself in real life um it's just always been that type of place um so it, it, it's it's clearly exciting times so one thing i wanted to, to ask you if i may and it's it's at risk of it, it sounded like an awkward question that the idea of the locally sourced sustainable um, suppliers is is brilliant. You know, I, I think that it's a fantastic concept. Um, many event organizers will have worked under what are fairly restrictive um, agreements with venues, particularly yeah. when it comes to things like food. Uh, F and B is often sourced via, a, a, you know, an exclusive contract caterer that, that has a, a contract with a particular venue, particularly some of the bigger meeting venues and event spaces. Um, it, you know, is there going to be some discussion as to how you achieve some of this sort of locally sustainable sourcing while still being maybe tied into to the sort of some of the contracts that we're used to when we work in bigger venues? Yeah, yeah, I think that's going to be a big part of the conversation. You know, we we typically, and I, I believe we have an education session focused around this, we typically have a lot of education throughout MPI about contracting and negotiation. And that's, mm. a, that's a big area of learning for event professionals. Um, 
it's it's a it's a facet that's much more complicated than I think many many people know. Um, so we always focus some of our education around some of those hard skills like contracting and negotiating, and that's exactly one of the things that we we can help our event professionals learn is when you go on site and you have to contract with a certain vendor, maybe through your host venue, how you can bring forward some of those sustainability practices. Um, yeah. I, I will tell and, and local sourcing. I will tell you that from an MPI perspective, you know, we are we're cooking for chefs and putting an event on for event professionals. And it's actually one of the areas that we we start in the contracting phase. So as soon as we get into the contracting stage with any destination, we want to make sure that all parties involved have a very good understanding of our expectations throughout the throughout the entire event. Um, yeah. and our, our top priorities include recycling, um, using only only sustainability, sustainable packaging for food service, mm -hmm. really trying to make sure that our partners and even our venue knows that we want to keep printed materials to a minimum mm -hmm. um, and making sure that our transportation companies are, are really using adequate protocols for emissions and that sort of thing. And then, um, and I'll tell you that the Hilton Metropole is very good about this, um, making sure that any food, uh, any un uneaten food doesn't go wasted. So sure. things like food donations and stuff like that. So while we, we certainly want to teach these practices while we're on site, we also want to put them into play in our own event. Yeah. And and it's and it's good to to hear that a venue like the Hilton Metropole, which is a is a hotel venue, it's a hotel brand, and yeah. it's perhaps the hotel brand, isn't it? Hilton Hilton. Yeah. Um yeah. you know, I was I was helping to run an event last week down in, in Cornwall in the southwest of England, and that it was a big hotel with two golf courses and uh you know, it's in a fairly rural location, I would say. And and I, I was seeing food waste you know, particularly just, just being put back into the kitchen, uh -huh. you just know that that was going to be thrown away. And, right. you know, that, that sort of venue are hosting probably two, three events a week, yeah. you know, during the course of the year. And, um, and, and if, if brands like Hilton are raising people's awareness through the events that they're hosting and with events for event professionals, such as the one right. that you're organizing, that can only be a good thing really going forward for the wider industry, particularly given how many events are hosted within the hotel sector. Exactly right. Exactly right. And it's it's a big part of our advocacy efforts. Um, IMEX Group is a great example of an organization that really leans hard into sustainability. So they help advocate for efforts. And like I said, we start with that when we go through contracting to be to be very transparent on this, James, we 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 practice what we preach. We don't necessarily really um, uh, communicate heavily about what we do because it's just it's just part of our practices. We just mm. make that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, the, the 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 names. I'll leave people to go and sort of explore some of the names that are on the lineup. But that there are names certainly that some of which I was familiar with for for, for certain events that I've worked on or or that I've seen or, or been to as an attendee. Other events are uh, other speakers were, were names that I didn't know um, right. and from organisations that I wasn't aware of. Has there been much of a change to the um, to, to the plan in the configuration of the speaker lineup, given some of the delays and, and the sort of the pushback of the event? Have things sort of grown organically from what they would have been in 2021 and 22 to where they are now? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, we, we typically we typically start with kind of a, a, a headliner approach and then we create panels from there. This year, we actually went a little bit different and we we started with construction of panels and then we went into some of our, our bigger speakers. Um, the reason that we wanted to go the panel route, we felt that it was a good opportunity for us to bring some of the industry's 
better known um, leaders into the conversation. And that kind of kicks off with our, our, our opening plenary where we've got uh, three CEOs of the you know, largest meeting organizations globally up on the stage talking to Sam Allen and kind of just a 35 to 40 minute um, discussion about uh, what's going on in the event industry, specifically focusing on that that growth and innovation. So, you know, we've got MPI's president, Paul Vandeventer up there. We've got Annette Gregg, for, who formerly was our <clears throat> chief revenue officer at MPI. She's now the president and CEO of Site. And then we've got uh, Mark Cooper at IACC, at IAC. Um, so having the three of those, those kind of blockbuster names on stage mm -hmm. really focusing on what's happening in the industry is huge. And then we've got, uh, and then we, we kind of close it all out with two big names and James Taylor and Allison Burns. James is a fantastic speaker. Um, Allison is really, really engaging and interesting. So having them come up there and really close out the event is, is a huge deal. So we, we kind of flip the script a little bit. Usually we start with that keynote and finish with panels, but we, we know what our, what our industry needs and wants to hear right now are some of the leaders talking to them about what's happening. So we started there first. Hmm. And I guess what what uh, this type of event and and I I know to an extent from being involved in the production team with Event Tech Live, you know, with the, mm -hmm. that that what you're doing at this at your event is 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 giving information and ideas and I suppose inspiration to an extent to the attendees because ultimately the information that they're picking up at your event is then going to be disseminated down through their own organizations and ultimately to, to to potential clients because when you go back to the headline that's on your website at the moment the potential for meetings and events has never been higher right that that will remain as potential unless the attendees put into action some of the stuff that they're going to learn and they actually go out and find new clients and new sectors and yeah. new businesses that want to have meetings because yeah. the potential is there but you've got to turn that into something that's that's tangible well, and that's another huge outcome of EMEC and, and frankly, any live event that takes place. Um, what, what's what's really interesting, so I mentioned that we we put on an event in November 2020. We put on another one in, in um, uh, June of 2021 in Vegas. And then we had our last WEC in San Francisco in June in 2022. What was most interesting coming out of our 2020 event in North Texas the preference of our attendees was around education, which that's always been the case. We come to these events for education. In Vegas and in San Francisco, it was networking, which if you think about that, that makes sense because finally our community was able, they were, they were coming together. You know, we had 1,200 people together in Vegas. We had uh, almost 1,800 people together in San Francisco and they just wanted to network. And, and EMEC, we kind of feel like is going to be such a big reunion of sorts that networking is going to be a, a critical component of it. Um, and that's where these connections come into play. And that's where that potential, that potential for our, our growth and, and our professionals to really have their big, um, their big homecoming um, to the scene. That's going to take place at EMEC because now you've got those, those abilities to really network and connect and get together one-to-one -one and start to remake those connections face to face. Because, I mean, the connections we've made in the screen here are great for the past few years, but they're just, they're such more emotional um, and have such more, such more meaning when they take place face to face. Yeah. And, and something that, that I haven't touched on in the conversation today, but have, have done previously on the podcast is that there was a certain irony that I found in, in that period of time where we met like this mm -hmm. in the, 
on a personal level, I never saw my fam my extended family as much as I did during it's lockdown true. when yeah, we weren't true. allowed to see each other. Because nobody before had ever considered the idea of us all going on a group video meeting on Zoom <laughs> or right. week. You know, the, 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 the idea of a virtual pub quiz on a Friday night with, with my extended family would have caused most right. of us to run away and, and hide right. in a corner. And yet, <laughs> and, and yet suddenly when we were told we can't do something, we found a way to do it. Yeah. And for most people, I'm sure, it was the same scenario that, that that they saw people via a video link more in that period of time than they had ever done before, and oh, yeah. uh, and and I suppose the irony and the the benefit that we've all felt from that is that very very quickly people realised what how much better it is to speak to somebody face to face even if it is down a video link which yeah. then i think had a positive effect on how much we realized we wanted to speak to somebody face to face in person yeah um so so i think you know out of uh, out of dark times you know always comes a brighter light um yeah. and and that is definitely going to be reflected I'm, I'm sure in in your event when it comes around at the end of the month absolutely yeah there, there's just there's there's no substitute for the connections that take place when you are face to face with one another. Um, mm. The screens have have been a good substitute um, for the past few years, but um, unequivocally, when you when you are connecting with somebody face to face, when you can have you know whether it's a handshake or a fist bump or a hug or whatever it is, that connection becomes so much more tight. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think, and that that was really the case, especially not so much when we did our event in November of twenty twenty, but you know, in, in June of 2021 in Vegas, I, I've never seen more people just really come in for hugs. And then in San Francisco in, in 2022, this past year, I mean, it just it, it's just the, the, the mass need to, to connect um, physically and emotionally, emotionally and personally was was uh, was very apparent. And I anticipate that's exactly what's going to take place at the end of this month in Brighton. And I'll tell you what else is going to take place. That satisfying uh, clink that you get yeah, when you raise your glasses or yeah. your bottles together around a table and a group James, of yeah. people charge their glasses. James, and that's maybe, so I should point out, you asked me what I'm most looking forward to, and it's certainly the learning journeys, but we are also going to debut the first ever EMEC beer at, at EMEC in Brighton. <clears throat> so we have our own beer being done for us through our good friends at Shelter Hall. They're creating a beer for us there, which I just saw the design labels for it's an excellent pale ale i am i'm such a beer guy and i'm such a beer snob that i may take a suitcase just to bring some back to the states for myself i'm i'm happy to go on record right now on the event industry news podcast and in saying that i will give you a a full and frank free review of that <laughs> beer should, should i get my hands fair on enough. Fair I'm, enough. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to go on record with my videoed <laughs> videoed uh podcast review of that beer um uh, what a great idea to do that sort of thing as well yeah, you know just, I, I i joke and but but uh, as an idea and as a concept to sort of you know uh, thinking outside the box and inspiring yeah. other event organizers. What a great idea to going back to this sort of sustainable and locally sourced, yeah. go to a local brewery, go to somebody local and say, could we work on a, on a, on a special ale, you know, specific to our show? What, what, what a great idea. And, and hopefully that, you know, that the ideas I'm sure will come flooding in once people have taken two or three of those. Absolutely. That's the idea. <laughs> That's the idea. Um, for those wanting to find out a bit more, um, the website, Drew, let, let's give that out so people know yeah. exactly where to go so that they can uh, they can register and look into the, the full agenda. Yeah, absolutely. <coughs> Excuse me. It's uh, mpi.org slash emac that you see on the screen there. Fantastic. It's yeah. And the website today and 
all the details that you need behind our speakers, our lineup, the learning journeys will all be there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all on there, guys. And, and as I said, plenty of information to whet your appetites, but but nothing compared to actually going uh, to see people face to face. The 26th to the 28th of March in Brighton is uh, is EMEC, um, MPI, European Meetings and Events Conference, uh, postponed from 21 and 22 but excited and delighted to say back in 2023. We've been speaking today on the Event Industry News podcast to their chief brand officer, Drew Holmgreen, who has joined us from his base in Dallas, Texas. Uh, Drew, thanks very much for getting up early today and kicking off your day, perhaps uh, a little bit earlier than usual to come and speak to us. Good luck with the event and please do stay in touch. Let's uh, let's find out how it went and uh, stay in touch in the future. Loads to speak about, I'm sure. Will do. Thank you so much, James. And uh, just a very, very quick word for, uh, of course, the Event Industry News website. If you are listening to the podcast today on one of your uh, uh, podcast platforms, don't forget that you can watch video versions of all of our podcasts and indeed look at the latest news features, special supplements, A to Z supplier directory, etc., etc., on eventindustrynews.com. Just take a few minutes out of your day and have a little click around there and see what you can find. Our uh, sincerest uh, best wishes to everybody at MPI for EMEC in the uh, in the coming weeks. Drew's been great to speak to you. And uh, as always, thanks to everybody for listening to the podcast. I'll see you on the next edition. Goodbye, everybody. Mm -hmm.